Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you each and every week from my studio in Dallas, Tejas. Entrepreneurs do it all wrong. We start a business without knowing what the end is going to look like. Here's how it plays out. We hate our boss, so we quit. We think the boss is making too much money off us, so we quit to go get our piece. That doesn't usually play out because we always forget that there's bills and overhead and insurance and utilities and health insurance and taxes and property taxes and appointment taxes, all kinds of stuff that we forget until we actually become El Jefe. And for damn sure, we almost never go into business for ourselves visualizing or thinking what the end is going to look like before we start. Hell, we don't even start with the end in mind and much else either. We don't do it with our kids. We don't do it with our spouses. We don't do it with our partnerships. We don't do it with our employees. But most importantly, we don't start with the end in mind in our lives. We just start. And that, my friends, is the problem. The key takeaway on today's podcast is to slow it down, slow your roll, and at the start, start with the end in mind. Let me give you a simple example. At Commercial Fleet, when we interview somebody, we do a three interview process. The first interview is with the head of the department that we're hiring for. So if we're hiring a salesperson, the VP of sales interviews the person. The second interview at Commercial Fleet is that interviewee interviews with everybody else in the company. And here's why we do that. I want the the interviewee to get the real scoop from the people they're gonna work with. I don't care if it's good or bad. I want them to get the scoop from their co-workers. Who are you gonna work with and what do they say about the organization? Because we have all worked for companies in which we were sold a bill of goods by the department head who told us it was gonna be great and the first day all we heard was shit from everybody you're gonna be working with about how crappy the opportunity was and that you were sold a bill of goods. So I preemptively strike and say, you're gonna hear it from everybody long before you start, before you go home to your wife and you say, baby, I just found this incredible job. Really, who, who, who'd you meet with? Well, I met with the, the, the department head. Oh, well, that's of course who's going to tell you it's an incredible job. You need to hear it from your coworkers. And the third interview with us, which is usually about the time where I get involved, hell, we got some new people here. I came back from vacation a couple weeks ago. We had two new faces. I didn't even know who the hell they were. When you have an executive management team, their job is to hire people. You as the owner don't have to necessarily be involved in it. But by about the third interview process, I will usually interview with the person just to get a feel. That does not mean that I'm overruling the executive management team, it just means I'd like to figure out who this person is before they actually start. But the interviewee gets to call our customers. We give them customer service surveys and they will literally call into 50 of our most recent deals. That's for us, it's less than a week's worth of deals. And they will talk to the customer about the customer's experience with our company. They need to hear that the customers liked doing business with us. But when I interview that person, The first thing I look for on their resume is where do they live? Because I know that if they live an hour or an hour and a half away from our office, 
that is not going to end well. Let me give you the math on it. I actually ran the math on it. So let's say that someone lives one hour from your office. That means if they come, say, for an 11 o'clock in the morning interview and it takes them one hour to get to the interview, to your office for the interview, that is not one hour because they came at 11 and they went home at 12. The reality is when they leave to get to the office by 8.30 in the morning, it's not going to be an hour because of traffic. It's probably going to be more like an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45 minutes each way. So let's say it's an hour and a half. Here's the math. That equals three hours a day commuting to the office. That equals 15 hours a week in commute. That equals 780 hours per year. That equals 19.5 weeks just commuting. 19.5 weeks of a person's life spent commuting to the job. That's going to be a problem, my friends. So it means that you're going to have to leave at 6.30 or 7 in the morning to get to the office by 8.30. It means you're not going to get home till 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. It means it's a 12, 13, 14 hour workday when you begin to incorporate that into the commute. And so depending on the person's position within your organization, let's say that in my office they're operations, well, that's a long day for an operations person. Let's say that they're a single mom. That is not going to play out well. Now listen, I used to own an office that Commercial Fleet ran our office out of. And it took me 45 minutes each way, and I did that for seven years. 45 minutes each way, some days were an hour and 15 minutes. I did it for seven years. And I turned my car into my classroom for that. And I actually, in hindsight, I really relished it. I liked it. I learned a lot. But I ain't doing it now. Hell, my commute's 20 minutes, and it's 20 minutes too damn long. If I could, I'd move my office in the damn town that I live in. But I won't because our office is perfectly strategically located for most of our employees. Some guys have to commute an hour, some guys commute 15 minutes. Hell, the CEO, the COO of the company commutes five minutes down the road, maybe not even five minutes. So I'm not gonna be selfish and move our office at the detriment of our employees, but 20 minutes is about as far as I really wanna commute now. That's about max, and if there's an accident on the highway, it can easily take me 40 minutes to get home. But that's just me. Most people won't put up with seven years of 45 minutes. They will pull the plug. So when I'm interviewing somebody, it's the most important thing I want to know because I see the end in mind. That grind, that, that, that guilt from their spouse, that guilt from, from their children, that guilt of not being able to go home and watch the kids assembly at one o'clock in the afternoon because it's just too much of a commute. You already commuted an hour to the office, then you gotta commute an hour back to watch the assembly, then you gotta commute an hour back to the office, then you gotta commute an hour. Congratulations, that's four hours in the car that day just to go make sure you're at your kid's thing. It isn't gonna play out. I never like to hire people with long, long commutes because I see the end before it starts. Now, what about in other areas though? Let's talk about your money for a second. I mean. How much money do you want to make in your lifetime? You need to play it out. You need to see the end in mind when you start. 
So you just simply take that number, whatever that number is. By the way, if you want to figure out what that number is, get my book, You Need More Money, and take the Lipness Test inside the book. I've talked about it on the podcast many times. It's the 13510 Lipness Test. Get the book, take the Lipness Test. It'll tell you where you need to be, how much money you're going to need when you're in your uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. But it starts by seeing the end in mind. How much money do you need to make in your lifetime divided by the number of years that you're going to work equals how much money you need to make per year to get to the end goal. What about in your relationships? Let me ask you this question. What if your spouse never worked while, and I'll use a, a, a female example, while your wife was raising your children? What if she never worked? And now the children are out of the house and you want your wife to go back to work. Dude, it ain't going to work out very well. She lost 18 years of a skill set, right? Maybe she was a dental hygienist when you guys got married. Uh, or like my wife, the rocker, was a hairstylist. Well, Rocky hasn't renewed her hairstylist uh, license in years. What's Rocky going to do? Go back into the marketplace? No, Rocky's not going to get a great job. That's just the way it plays out. So now if you're putting pressure on your spouse to go to work, now that the kids are, are out because you'd like the extra money, dude, they don't got skill set. Their skill set was at home raising your family. And now you're putting pressure on her to go out and make more money. It isn't going to work. The end doesn't play out. Conversely, I didn't want that from the rocker. I wanted to marry a woman whose sole job was going to be to raise my kids. I was going to plant the tree. I was going to go out and pull the leaves, the money leaves off the money tree, and I was going to bring home the bacon. That was my role, and I wanted to marry a woman who was going to stay at home and be the CEO of my house and take care of my children. And that's what The Rocker has done, and I think that's why we have three great kids. Maybe I've had something to do with it, but I promise you The Rocker's job has been to take care of those kids, and she's done an incredible job. What about partnerships? What if you're going into business with somebody? Now, I just sold my interest in, in one of the businesses that I'm involved in, and I'll, I'll tell you more about that over the next month or so. In fact, I'm going to do a, an entire podcast on how to properly set up partnerships because my exit in that business was beautiful. It was absolutely perfect because we started our partnership with the end in mind. We always had a clause in our partnership agreement that said, Every six months, we would review the partnership for an out. And if either one of us wanted out, we had the ability to exercise that clause and get out for a predetermined number as friends, as business partners, without any beef. Could you imagine if you did that in your partnership with your partners? How many of you are in partnership right now because you were afraid to go into business for yourself, you didn't know how to build a website, so you knew a guy who knew how to build a website and you gave the guy 20% of the company? Well, now you're five years later, the guy still owns 20% of the company and he's still got a shitty website and the guy didn't know how to do anything else. In fact, he doesn't even return your phone calls, but guess what? He's got 20% of your business. Dude, I see that happen all the time. Partnerships must start with the end in mind. And the last thing for today, what about your freaking life? Do you know where it's going to end? How it's going to end? Where are you going to live? What view are you going to have? What are the neighbors going to be like? How is it going to finish? How is your life going to finish? Your life finishes when you visualize the future before you even start it. Now, here's the beautiful news. You can restart anytime you want. 
you can get a redo anytime you want. You can restart your life. You can say, you know what? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how the hell I even got here, but I'm stopping right now. I'm going to slow my roll. I'm going to revisualize my future. I'm going to revisualize the last half of my life, the next 60 years of my life, whatever that number is for you. If you're in your 20s and you don't like it, it's probably 80 years. Take the time to visualize it. How is it going to play out? Let me tell you this. My old man, uh, my dad was uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's in the last week or so. And I have no idea whether my old man's got any money or not. Don't matter to me. But he sure as hell sounds like he doesn't have any money. He's scared to death. Where's the five grand a month going to come from for the, he's 80 years old. Where's the five grand a month going to come from to put him in the house, the home that he's going to live in, right? I don't know if he's got it. He doesn't think he's got it. Well, guess what? That's a big problem. You know who's a problem for? Him and me. It's both of us got a problem right now because he never took the time to visualize how is it going to end? What happens if 80, if I get diagnosed with dementia and Parkinson's and where the hell am I going to live and who the hell is going to pay for it? Big problem. Much I love my mom and my mother-in-law, they got the same damn problem too. Both of them living on only Social Security. Well, Social Security ain't going to pay for a nice retirement home or an uh, um, uh, uh, extended care home. That's five, six, seven G's a month, y'all. Social Security don't pay for that, so what do you do? You got no money for it, what do you do? You go into the government-provided housing, and that's how it finishes, and that don't finish very good. So a little bit of a wake-up call today. Start with the end in mind in everything that you do. Never start a business unless you visualize how the business is supposed to finish before you start it. Do it with your money, do it in your relationships, do it in your partnerships, and damn sure do it in your life. I love y'all. Like, subscribe, comment, share. I'll see you down the road. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.